You are listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. What do Mehmet Oz and today's guest, Dr. Larry Rosen, have in common? Stay tuned. Find out. Welcome to the Clinician Roundtable. I am Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and with me today is Dr. Lawrence Rosen. Dr. Rosen is a nationally recognized expert in pediatric integrative medicine. He is chair of the Integrative Pediatric Council and a founding member of the American Academy of Pediatrics section on complementary holistic and integrative medicine. He is a consultant at the Children's Hospital at Hackensack University Medical Center in New Jersey. Today we are discussing integrative medicine. Hi, Larry. I'd like to thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'd like to open today's discussion with the answer to my question. And the answer is integrative medicine. As Dr. Oz is not only Oprah's doctor, but he is the medical director of the prestigious Integrative Medical Center at New York Presbyterian Columbia Medical Center. Larry, Dr. William Osler said a number of years ago, it is much more important to know what sort of patient has a disease than what sort of disease a patient has. Is integrative medicine a response to Dr. Osler's plea? I think you make a very good point, which is we're seeing uh, really a patient-led movement in medicine to really get back to the, the heart of medicine, and uh, I like to call it back to the future, where we're looking at really patient-centered care. And I think that integrative medicine, which many people think of as uh, blending unconventional or alternative therapies, is really more a philosophy where we're paying attention to the individual and thinking about all the, the things that go into that. You say patient-led. How many people are using complementary and integrative medicine in their daily lives? I think that you have to look at the best-done studies on how many folks are using complementary and alternative medicine come out of Harvard and David Eisenberg studies. The initial ones were published back in the 1990s, and in follow-ups through the early 2000s, we've seen a growing trend. So in terms of adults that are using these therapies, the rates have risen from about one-third of adults in the U.S., to about, you know, almost half the adults in the U.S. at this point are using some form of complementary and alternative medicine. I think some of that depends on how you define CAM or complementary and alternative medicine. If you include things like prayer or vitamins, your numbers will go way up. But when you look at studies of children uh, and families with young children, the data is also equally impressive, and we've seen a growing trend in terms of well children and families that are using these therapies, either alternative or complementary therapies, it's estimated currently that about one-third of well children are exposed to CAM therapies, and about 70 to 90 percent of children with chronic illnesses such as cancer or autism are using some form of CAM therapy. I know I spent years going to religious school. I assume prayer probably plays a role in this complementary therapy. Have you used that? Well, I think that, you know, you, you raise the point that sometimes what we think of as, you know, non-medical therapy or unconventional medical therapy, something like prayer, is being studied more and more as an evidence-based modality for healing, something that in, in many cultures and traditions goes back thousands of years. And what's interesting to note, and the data is mixed, that there are physicians looking at prayer, as a, again, as a healing modality, both in hospital settings and in private practice settings. Could you give us a brief summary of the historical basis of integrative medicine? You talked about back to the future. Yeah. 
Well, I think that you can look at numerous examples. Um, and I think, you know, when we talk about medicine today or 21st century medicine, um, it's an interesting paradox. We have fantastic technology, which allows us to do things we never could do before. But we're seeing a shift in the types of conditions and illnesses that we see. And these tend to be more what we call lifestyle conditions or issues to do with um, nutrition or fitness and more chronic disease. So that if you look back over the thousands of years, and not just in Western society, but in cultures from, from Eastern Asia, from Africa, uh, from all over the world, if you look at things like nutritional supplements and medicine, herbal medicine, the use of acupuncture, uh, manual therapies like chiropractic or massage therapy, one example um, that I like to use is infant massage. That's something that in the U.S. has been studied um, greatly over the last 10 or 15 years. And we've shown that using massage for babies, which is a specific technique, can be helpful with growth uh, and development of even premature babies. But if you look at the history, there's a branch of infant massage called Tui Na, which comes from Chinese medicine, that goes back thousands of years when it was really used by doctors as part of a, a medical treatment system. So it just shows you the history behind this, and there are many examples of that. In preparation for today's talk, I did some of my homework. And there was an article published in Chess Magazine, October 2006, and they were looking to see whether anxiety disorders or depressive disorders exacerbate asthma. And they found that anxiety doesn't, but depression does. Well, in my study of Chinese medicine as part of my acupuncture course, the psychotype of depression is associated with the meridian or the channel of the lung. Now, gee, 2,500 years ago, they knew depression made asthma worse. Why do we just discover this stuff now? Well, I think that it, it speaks to the different philosophies of health and healing and that the Chinese medicine perspective, like other cultures, has always taken a very holistic view and doesn't break down the body into specific parts, even though we do talk about meridians or channels. They're not specific parts of the body that are separate from others, so that there's a link between mind and body and spirit. And I think that in Chinese medicine, that's been understood very well for years, so that it would be natural for someone trained in that system to understand, yes, that how we feel is closely tied to our health and is linked to things that may be responsive by allergies or, or immune effect. Whereas in Western medicine conventionally, we've broken it down into very small pieces, and there's a big disconnect in terms of the teaching and the learning. Thank you. For those who are joining us, you are listening to ReachMD. XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and my guest today is Dr. Lawrence Rosen, and we are discussing integrative medicine and its modalities. To play a little bit of a devil's advocate, I once portrayed Sherlock Holmes on stage, and I've retained a little bit of my detective skills. From your email address, I gather you attended the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. That's correct. Now, this is about as rock solid an institution I can, I can imagine. I mean, how did that background prepare you for and lead you to embrace integrative medicine? It's actually a really interesting story. I'm glad you bring it up. I decided to attend MIT. Uh, my dad had attended, and I had visited as a young child, and I was always fascinated um, by the, the, you know, really the scientific and engineering aspect and how uh, there was this real focus on problem-solving, real-world problem-solving that always appealed to me. But when I got there, I actually discovered that there was a great interest also in the arts and that medicine for me became this great way to blend both science and art. 
And, you know, people talk about the art of medicine. I was very fortunate when I was at MIT in my early stages to do some undergraduate research. They really support undergraduates in doing research there with a psychiatrist who was really focusing on the treatment of seasonal affective disorder, or SAD, and looking at it both from the perspective of neurotransmitters, this very high-tech, sciencey way of looking at things, and early medications, but also light therapy, and, and looking at things from a patient perspective and lifestyle. And he really trained me and taught me as a mentor that there was more to medicine than just the science. Subsequently, interestingly, this physician, uh, Dermot O'Rourke, ended up becoming really a medicine man for one of the Indian tribes in the Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota. And it just shows you, you know, this is a guy who trained at MIT in Mass General and how you can blend everything together and that medicine really isn't just the science. So I learned a lot at MIT. It wasn't just the, just the science part. You mentioned medicine, man. I think a lot of my friends think I'm kind of a medicine man when I talk to them about complementary medicine. What are the barriers you see to complementary medicine? How do we overcome them? Well, I think that there's really, there, there has been historically a conventional bias against the word holistic um, or complementary. Many conventional physicians and physician training systems, historically, if you look at chiropractic and homeopathy, the use of nutrition, they've been sort of tossed away as, as unconventional or alternative. So I think the barriers still today have a lot to do with understanding the science and the background um, and that... Everything just needs to be looked at on an even playing field from this, from this view of evidence-based. Patient comes to you with a problem which their doctor has been unable to solve. Can you give me a real-life example of people or situations where you've sort of had the light go on and resulted in solving the problem, helping the patient? Sure, absolutely. Actually, just yesterday... I have a practice, I have two practices. One is primary care, that's my predominant practice, and one is consultative. And the consultative practice, I tend to see, you know, what you just referred to, which are families with children coming, you know, after seeing many specialists or just looking for a different way to do things and problem solving. And, and again, that's where my MIT hat sort of comes on. But this was a, a young family with their first child, an eight-month-old baby, who had suffered really eight straight months of, of a horribly itchy rash, runny nose, really had a, an eczema or atopic dermatitis-looking rash. And the, the mom had breastfed and then switched to different formulas, and they, the baby developed significant gastroesophageal reflux and spitting up and very acidic and was having these spasms that the parents were concerned were seizures. And they had seen a neurologist and a gastroenterologist, and the child was on three or four different medications, was about to undergo an MRI, an EEG. And after listening, and, and the first thing I do, I, I have to say, you know, it's not obviously that I have any magic bullets. I just try to take a broad view and a very holistic look at things, and I have the luxury of looking back at all the things that have been done. And I spend a lot of time at these consultative visits. I spend an hour with the family reviewing the history, observing the baby, and it occurred to me that a lot of this sounded like what was probably an allergic issue or an immune imbalance issue. And so to me, I tend to look at a lot of these issues with newborns as, as, um, and, and children as sort of from a functional medicine perspective. By that, I mean, you know, looking at the underlying biochemical metabolic reasons for, for the, sort of the root causes. So that many of the, the conditions I was seeing seemed to me to be allergic. So we talked about diet and nutrition and avoiding certain things in the diet, potentially cow's milk, 
um, testing for those things to see if there was an allergic disorder, and talking about nutritional modulation as well as lifestyle issues and how to feed the baby. And I've had cases like this many times before where after avoiding certain things in the diet or looking at adding certain complementary interventions such as essential fatty acids or probiotics to help balance the immune system, we've had great success rather than just adding on other medications. And that's just one example. It's wonderful to have new horizons and new vistas. I would like to thank Dr. Lawrence Rosen, who has been our guest, and we have been discussing integrative medicine. I am Dr. Bill Rutenberg. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening. I wish you a good day and good health.